holding on. He will never let you go. When the night is holding on to you, which it, at times lately it seems like it's been holding on, hasn't it? But you know what? He is holding on. He will not let you go. He is strong. He's got a strong hand. And he is going to protect you and bless you and love you and keep you. Praise Jesus. Amen. God is good, right? Come on now. Today's a beautiful day outside. Don't get sleepy in here. Man, God is good. I got a word of God from God for you today. I'm thankful for life. Anybody thankful for life? Let me tell you why I'm thankful for life. I got, I got in a wreck the other day. You'll see this picture if, if he's got it up there on the, on the thing. If not, it's on my Facebook page, man. I was in the wrong. I hit somebody from behind. I, I was on the phone with my dad, and I looked to the side, and boom. And uh, all my airbags deployed, and uh, it was a scary situation. And, and I'm just so glad that God was with me. And the fact, you know, we always know that God has a plan, right? And that God has a hope and a future for you and all that kind of stuff. But whenever he proves it, then you know. You just feel, when you get to a situation like that, 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 you know, it's really bad and everything explodes and I could have died and I know I could have died. And if God was through with me, that was his chance. But because of the fact that he's not through with me, really excites me in my soul today. It excites me that, you know what, I'm not done with you yet. You got more to do. And you know what? He's got more for you to do. He's not done with you. But Pastor Doug, I didn't get in a wreck. But you know what? God might have had an angel just push one aside so you didn't even have to deal with that. You know? The thing is, you, you, but I hadn't really been sick, but you know what? God kept you from sickness. You know, whatever it is, don't, just because you did not encounter a trauma situation does not mean that God has not been involved in your life in keeping you from pain and turmoil and trials and tribulations. I'm about to preach and I ain't started yet. Let's stop. Come on, somebody. I'm fired up today now. Um, I want to talk to you about bothering Jesus. Does anybody, matter of fact, I, someone this, this morning, I was, when I told him to title my message, that's, you know, I said, bothering Jesus and a person in, that was in my, in my presence said you know what sometimes I feel like I do that that I bother Jesus I was like man this message is for you you know <clears throat> because that's what happens um, and God is so good and he's going to talk we're going to talk to him today about about bothering Jesus because sometimes we get in a place where we feel like that we bother him that we bother him let's just go to God in prayer for a moment before we start God I thank you so much you are so good you're amazing. Thank you for the beautiful sunshine out here today. God, we bless you for that, and we thank you, God. And we know more, more of that liquid sunshine is coming tomorrow, God. But today, we thank you for a beautiful day that we can rejoice. And we thank you that even tomorrow, God, it may be raining a little bit more, God, we can still wake up and rejoice because the, the, the elements on the outside does not dictate the joy on the inside. And God, we just lift you up right now, and we thank you that you are good, that you never let us down, that you never leave us or forsake us, God, and that we never bother you. And let us learn that truth today through, this, through your word. Bless your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Father and Jesus, I want to talk to you about something that actually happens in tandem. Not very often do you see two stories at one time. I'm only going to talk about one because the other one's so precious. I want to save it for another time. I try to, try to hit on these two. Every year I try to hit on these two in some kind of message or at least bring it up in a, in a point if not. Luke chapter 8 verses 40 through 56. So bear with me through 16 verses. You know. Um, my my uh, reading ability is not the greatest. I'm not a, a great orator as far as it comes to reading, so bear with me. But on the other side of, of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. The man named Jairus, the leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. 
and Jesus went in with them and he surrounded the crowds and the woman the woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with the constant bleeding and she could not find no cure coming up behind Jesus she touched the fringe or the hem of his robe garment immediately the bleeding stopped after 12 years doctors couldn't do nothing but immediately the blood stopped who touched me he said everyone denied it Peter said everyone denied it Peter said master the whole world is the whole the whole crowd is pressing up against you I just love that little thing right there because Jesus is like who touched me and he knows you know you know when you're praying with somebody you feel the Holy Spirit and you feel that touch you feel that power well, well Jesus felt that come out of him and Jesus and Peter was like everybody's touching you man nobody touched you nobody touched you really but everybody's like thronging pressing against you Jesus what are you talking about and I love this right here what he says no someone deliberately touched me deliberately touched me see it's not just brush up against them it's just not doing this it's like somebody has a passion a desire someone is desperate someone touched me on purpose deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me when the woman realized that she had um, could not stay hidden anymore she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him the whole crowd um, heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed daughter what beautiful words daughter she said to her your faith has made you well go in peace while she was still while he was still speaking to her a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus the leader of the synagogue he told him your daughter is dead there's no use troubling the teacher now there's no use troubling or bothering the teacher now when Jesus heard what had happened he said to Jairus don't be afraid just have faith and she will be healed when I when they arrived at the house um, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter James and John John and James and the little girl's father and mother the house was filled with people weeping and wailing but he said stop the weeping she's not dead she's only asleep but the crowd laughed at him Wow. the crowd laughed at him laughed at Jesus because they knew that she had died then Jesus took her by the hand with a loud voice my child get up and at that moment her life returned and she immediately stood up then Jesus told them give her something to eat her parents were overwhelmed but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened Jesus and the disciples had just come out of a, the, the most catastrophic storm they had ever encountered only to meet on the other side by the lake <coughs> a sea of people they had come through this bad storm, a big sea storm. And then what happened? They Everywhere Jesus went, people came around. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm jumping ahead of myself. But it's amazing that this little girl was 12 years old and she was dying. And this woman, since this little girl's birth, has been dealing with an issue of blood. Both of them 12 years long. Now, the difference between this man, Jairus, and this woman who had an issue of blood I want to show you this contrast one was rich very very rich and one was very 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 poor one was very well respected and everybody in the town knew who he was and one was an outcast 
One had to yell, unclean, when, I came, when, it, when it came by you, so everybody else could move out of the way and let me through because they didn't want to touch you because you were unclean. One had everything he wanted, and one had nothing at all. One had a family at home to go to, and one had to live in seclusion. But both had a problem. Both of them had a problem. Jesus cared about both of them, and we'll find out in a few minutes that Jesus met both their needs. I want to tell you today, don't ever feel like that you, that you don't deserve God's love or God's forgiveness or God's help. I don't care if you have everything in the world, you're the richest person, and you have everything you need, or if you have nothing, God still cares about you and will meet your needs today. God has, whether you have plenty or lack, God cares. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, your background. It doesn't matter race, color, creed. It doesn't matter your eco, socio, social, um, economic uh, background, how much money, anything like that. Your cars, your houses, your, 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 your stocks, your bonds, your bitcoins. It doesn't matter. Jesus cares about you. Jesus was ridiculously famous at this point. Everywhere he went, as soon as they saw his boat coming in, man, they started spreading the word, and there's a crowd waiting on him. He couldn't have, that's why many times if you re, when Scripture says he went alone to the mountain to pray, he, man, he just had to get away by himself sometimes. He had to go up to a mountaintop just to get along by himself so he could pray to God because everywhere he want, went, they wanted healing. They wanted help. They wanted, they wanted him to touch them. He was so famous. He was more famous than Carol Baskins is right now today. He was very, very famous. But he went. There was boys, there was women, children, boys and girls. There was all kinds of people around everywhere he went. In the midst of these crowds, there was always a Pharisee. There was always a Sadducee and some scribes. They were always there. And in most of my stories I talk to you about, you hear me mention about the Pharisees that are there trying to trick Jesus, trying to stumble Jesus, trying to make him look stupid in front of his followers, trying to catch him breaking the law trying their very best to try to bring him down and defeat him and destroy him trying to ask difficult questions they tried to trap Jesus but this was a different day one of the only places in the Bible that, it, that this type of thing happened like this Jarius came this was a man of power and of authority he was he was had power and prestige and position he was the lead the leader of the local synagogue and he was a high end ranking official in all of Capernaum he was like maybe the governor I mean you know what I'm saying he was like somebody really high up there but the thing is is when this man came he was most likely a Pharisee and he was one that would have been trying to trick and trap Jesus but today there wasn't no tricking and trapping he came in humility in the utmost humility a lot of times when you do have influence you do have that it's very hard for you to show humility in front of other people because you got to keep up the game right you got to look strong you got to look hard you got to look in control you got to be an authority but this day was different when I you know he wanted to come to Jesus and ask him for help when I was in the military in the, in the Navy on the ship uh, I was picked at when I first got in there a lot called preacher boy and all this kind of stuff because I we preached a lot and talked to everybody about it before I before I fell to sin and became lukewarm and um, and all that. So, but but when I first came in there, I would talk about Jesus and pray about stuff and and everybody would make fun of me. They would call me names. 
they would bully me and this kind of stuff. But what would happen was the same ones that would bully me in the military would pull me in, in, in the hallway in a room and shut, and shut dock the door down and say, hey, Doug, man, my, mom, my mom's got cancer, man. I need you to pray right now. And then they would say, and if you tell anybody out there I ask you to pray for me, it's going to be on me and you're going to go at it. You know, I was, I was 135 pounds back in the day, man. You know, so I was like little, you know, but I could reach 235, so that's good. But anyway, but, um, but this, I was, so the thing was, was they, did, they, they wanted to keep up their prestige. They wanted to keep that power, that game that they had, that they were hard. They didn't need nobody. I don't need God. I'm, I, I am who I am. I can take care of myself. But they knew that they couldn't un, underneath all that, that facade. And so they had to come to, to Jesus, not me, come to me to go to Jesus and say, I need your prayers. That's what, that's what Jairus was doing. This day, this, this man that had a great deal of respect, position and honor and authority and power, prestige, far beyond. He was the most important person in the whole entire crowd that day. He was supposed to keep at arm's length according to the law and, and his religion that he had. But the thing is, is he stirred up a, a commotion whenever he got down and fell on his knees before Jesus. The governor, the man, the man of power, prestige, and the man of authority that, that everybody looked, that looked up to and they were scared of. This man came and fell on his knees in humility before Jesus. He didn't care about respect. He didn't care what, if anybody respected him anymore. He didn't care about any kind of position of prestige. He didn't care what nobody thought about him. He didn't care about nobody's opinion. He had a need. He was, at this point, he was a desperate dad. At the end of his rope, his daughter was dying. I don't care what nobody thinks. I don't care if I lose my job. I don't care what happens. All I know is I need help, and I know this man can help me. When he fell at the feet of Jesus... It was just simply a desperate man needing help and saying, I'll do whatever it takes. He came to Jesus, and, and you know, I, I can just see him now. Jesus, hey, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. My daughter's dying. I need you to get your anointing all out. I need you to lay hands on her in the name of Jesus. And I, got some, I already got some worship me. I got some elevation playing in the background at the house. I got everything ready for you. You know, that, that's how we would be today, right? But Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have been that way. That's not, and that's not what happened. But Jesus said, in the word of God, it said that he, Jesus was, was absolutely moved by his humility. To see this man that typically tried to trap him and throw him in jail, to fall at his feet and say, please, I, the word of God, I beg you to help me. Now, let me tell you, you don't have to beg God for anything. Okay, let me tell you, let me make that very clear. But this man was just so desperate. He went, he, he knew he didn't have to beg God, but he really didn't know Jesus that much. But he got down on his knees and just begged, please, I beg you. He was so desperate. You can imagine if you have a daughter or a son, if they were dying, and, and this man's the only person that could help them. But here's where it gets kind of, kind of convoluted. On there, okay, yes, let's go. We're going to go, and we're going we're gonna to take care of this, we're going to heal her. On the way there, so another story unfolds. A woman like Jairus had a desperate need for God. And she didn't worry about the respect. She didn't have nothing. She didn't care what nobody thought. But she said, you know what? I've had this for 12 years and I'm, I'm one and done with this. If I could touch the hem of his garment. She wasn't supposed to be around nobody. She certainly wasn't supposed to touch nobody. But she was crawling through the crowd and pushing people and touching people left and right to get to Jesus. She knew that he was approachable God and that he was her father. It says in, in verse 48, it says, Daughter, 
He said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And I'm not going to go into her whole story, but it's a beautiful story. You can go back, and I, I, like I said, I'll speak on it one day. But it was just so beautiful of where she came from to where she was at, for him to look at her and call her daughter. And she was, but she was so desperate. She was just as desperate as he was. He had a daughter that was dying, and she was dying. And so she was desperate. Now, I, I, all she wanted to do was just touch the hem of his garment. These two were polar opposites. People. But one thing united them. They both were desperate for Jesus. Jesus stopped to minister to her that day, and it caused it a delay. When he came to her, he stopped and talked to her. And he said, who touched me? Where did this vir virtue flew out of me? Who was it? And he had to figure it out, and it was her. And she said, it's me. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And that took some time there. It doesn't show the time limit in here, but it, it took a little bit of time. And it took so much time that the worst possible news came to Jairus. In verse 49, while Jesus was still talking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, a leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling. There's no use bothering the teacher now. It's over. In that moment, I'm sure that a flood of emotions came on him as a dad. You know, I, I, what if I, why can't we have, why couldn't I have gotten here sooner? Why, why couldn't this crowd get away so we can move faster? Who is this woman? Who, who is she? Now she got her need. She got her situation taken care of. And now look at me. Let me tell you what. Sometimes when you need a miracle, God will let you see somebody else's miracle happen right in front of you before you get yours. Yeah, but that just hurt my feelings. That, no, 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 no. That should encourage you to see that God is still performing miracles and you're up next. Don't, don't worry about it when that happens. Sometimes God allows you to see somebody else's miracle when that happens. And secondly, not only was, was that going on and, and he was sitting there and, and he was like, this man came and, and I'm sure that, that uh, Jairus was like, you know what, man, this is over. This is over. I mean, I tried. I have failed. The, secondly, the second thing that happened is that, that, we, that we don't want to bother Jesus. We, you know, I'm sure you know someone. I know I have in my past. When I went down to pray, I wanted to pray for something for myself, and then I remembered somebody asked me to pray for cancer. Somebody asked me to pray for their, their, somebody that just lost a family member. Someone was getting ready to have a divorce, and I, I was like, you know what, God, I don't want to bother you about it. I just want to pray for them right now. Have anybody besides me ever felt that way? You went to God, and you wanted to pray, but you felt like, you didn't want to bother him because there was bigger needs than yours? I have. But I'm here to tell you today that no matter what your need is, I don't care how bad of a situation, God can handle. He's a big enough God to handle my problems and your problems and their problems too, all at the same time. You never have to worry about bothering God. It is never a bother to him. God has always has time for you and for me. For Jerry, it just seemed like it was yesterday when he had his little 12-year-old girl that was ba born, bouncing on his knee, holding her and swallowing her and changing her little diapers, loving on her, seeing her first steps, letting her sleep on his chest. And it mu he must have exploded when he realized that, that you know what, it's, all, it's over. She's only 12 years old. But immediately, Jesus interrupts. And he looks at him and says, look, Jarius, that's bad news. But you know what? Trust me. I got this. She's going to be okay. I can just see Jesus walking up and saying, look, Jarius, what, 
you came to me. Let me handle it. Death does not control me. I control death. I can resurrect her. Look, just chill out. I can just see it in today's language. I don't know about you. When I read a scripture, I don't read it as, you know, Doug, thou needs to relax thy spirit in the name of the Almighty El Shaddai. You know, I, I read it as, Doug, you need to chill out and shut up because you, you don't know what I'm doing. I'm working on it. It's going to be okay. Just chill out for a little bit. That's how I get it. That's how God talks to me through his scripture, you know. And so, so the thing is, I can just see him say that. He can say, look, J.J., I got this. Don't worry. I want to tell you today that just because you have delay, delay is not denial. Just because you're praying for something from God and there's a delay in the game does not mean that you're not going to get what you need. So they pressed on. They hoped against hope. They went on and they stared death in the face and walked on and was going to go anywhere. They approached the house and when they came up, there was a big commotion going on because he was so high up in the, in the hierarchy. And I think I mentioned this uh, another time that I talked about um, professional mourners. They had professional mourners. They paid professional mourners that would come in. And these professional mourners would, would come and they would wail. They would scream. They would rent their clothes in, 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 in sorrow. They would, they would play instruments and have a band, like flutes and stuff. They would just go crazy. They were so loud. They just would scream uh, and cry and moan. Oh! Just, just, like, just like it was like their fam, personal close family member that died. The mourners would tear their garments and stuff, and, and it, was, it was deep grief. They were raising a ruckus, but Jesus walked up in the house, and he didn't speak any words of sympathy. He spoke words of authority. He told them to be quiet. Shut up. Stop it. Y'all crying about a funeral that ain't going to happen. Stop it. Be quiet. Chill. She's only asleep. She's not dead. Immediately, their mourning turned into laughter. That really hurt my feelings for Jesus. It shouldn't have because he's Jesus. But I was like, I kind of got protective over Jesus when I, when I was really studying this. And I was like, it, it was like their mourning turned into laughter. Jesus like, shut up, stop. She's not dead. She's going to live. And they laughed at Jesus. And that hurt my feelings. You know, I was like, what? How dare you laugh at Jesus? I wanted to, you know, I, Ethan, I was ready. I was like, what? Come on now. Don't be laughing at Jesus. They were laughing at Jesus. Why are you believing God for something um, uh, that, that, that you, might be living, you might be believing something today that other people are laughing about you about? When you go to God, you have something you're, you're believing God for, you're praying for, and people may be laughing at you and really ridiculing you and telling you, hey, there's no use in that. Quit trying that. Don't worry about that. There's no use in bothering God. It's over. It's, that's not never going to happen. That's not going to happen. But hey, guess what, what Jesus did? It said, Jesus ignored their laughs. Somebody say, I got to ignore them. Come on now, I got to ignore them. And then he told them, what did he tell them next? It says, then he told them to get out. He said, I want everybody, I want you to shut your mouth. Everybody get out. Everybody's got a clean house. I want nobody but Peter, James, and John, mom and daddy and me. He told them all to get out. And he went in. He told them to shut up, to get out, and then he went straight to the little girl, and, and he told her with a loud voice, he, he grabbed her hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say get up. And immediately she got up, and he said, Mama, go get her some food. So he told her to, he told her to shut up, to get out, 
and told her to get up. And that's how it went that day. We got to do the same thing. We got to get rid of the negative voices around us. Those people that don't believe with us. Those people that are pulling us down. We got to say, you know what? I I'm, I'm believing for God for something big right now, and I can't have that negativity. I can't have that thought process in my mind. Those people that are pulling you down, you got you to tell them no. You got to say, hey, shut up. I don't want to hear that. And you got to tell people to, to get out of your life. There's, there's people that shouldn't be there. there those, those people that are dragging you down and, and sin and sorrow. And there's people that are doing things you shouldn't be around, being unequally yoked. Those things that are causing those in your life. And then you need to, to look and, and get out all those negative voices in your head. We're all the time allowing negative voices in our mind to bombard us and to pull us down and to talk to us. We need to tell all those, those voices in our head, shut up and get out. And let our mind be renewed by Christ. And then tell our spirit to get up. Say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. And in an instant it says that she was revived, breathed, and got up. And he told the mom to go get some food. They were, they were amazed, astonished, and breathless after that happened. I'm, I, I'm running, running short on time, but I... This, I actually, I could do this in a, in a Father's Day message, a father, and, but Father's Day is coming up soon, so I'm just going to do it right now. Three points, a three-point Father's Day message in about two minutes. This little girl had her dad, right? This little girl saw three things that we need to do as, as fathers. This little girl saw that her dad was not afraid to seek Jesus. Our children need to see as fathers that we are not afraid to seek Jesus and get on our knees and humble ourselves in humility and bow before the king. Number two, she saw that her dad was not afraid to invite Jesus into her, his home. Jesus is not just Jesus at church. He's got to be Jesus at home too. If not, you're giving mixed signals to your children. God is God there, God's not God here. It used to make me so mad when I was a youth pastor that parents would, would, would restrict their kids. You're in trouble. You can't go to church Wednesday night because they have fun there. And I was like, how dare you tell a child, a teenager, that they can't come to church because they've done bad. When you do bad, this is where you need to be at, church. So they need to see that we pray at home, that we agree at home, that we talk about Jesus at home. And then the third one that her dad would do anything to protect her. That he would run all the way across town and try to find Jesus and take a chance and fall on his knees and try to do that. And knowing that he would do anything, the dad did not care. Jairus didn't care if he lost his job. He didn't, he didn't care. I'm protecting my baby. So he was willing to lose it. I'll lose it all. This is my baby. And that little girl knew that. Those three things we need to know as fathers. Happy Father's Day for that. Two points and I'm done. Number one, push beyond our pride. Let me see some stars on here. Y'all watching on here? Okay. Okay, I see you. All right, keep it going. I love you guys. I love you guys. Um, but anyway, push beyond your pride. Jairus had a lot to lose that day. We talk, I kind of already went over this in my message already. <coughs> he lost respect and prestige. He thought he would. He thought he would lose his job. But you know what? One thing he wasn't going to lose is he wasn't going to lose his daughter. Jairus knew that Jesus was a healer, that Jesus was a son of God, and that if he went to him, that he was going to help him, and he was in town, and so therefore he decided, you know what, I'm going to take care of this. 
But we miss too many opportunities to, to receive from God because we're full of pride. I don't want to go to the altar because I'm embarrassed that people think that I've got sin in my life. I don't want, I don't want to go pray because I'm supposed to be strong. And if I go up there and ask for prayer, people's going to think I'm weak. I don't want to witness to somebody because people's going to think I'm a fanatic and they'll think bad about me. We got to get over ourselves. And you know what? I don't care if you're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, but you're battling with sin. Get over your pride and get down here and let's pray about it. Don't, because what's going to happen is, real soon, that sin's going to overcome and that sin's going to take you back and you're going to lose your salvation. You can't backslide. I know a lot of people don't believe that you can't backslide. There's many scriptures to back that up. But the good thing is, the prodigal son, according to the prodigal son, is you can come home. You can always come home. We think that we're in control, that we can't, that we can run our lives without interrupting and bothering God. We feel like it's foolish to be desperate in any kind of way. We went, we, we want people to assume that we have our act together. We don't want to humble ourselves and beg. We have this facade that we put on, and we want people to think that we got it all together, that everything's fine with me. I'm strong, I'm mighty, I'm cool. But we got to get to the place that we get desperate for God enough. Maybe not even, if you're waiting for a miracle, you want a miracle, yes, but maybe you don't even want a miracle. You're just desperate for God. We got to be able to be a man and a woman of God and bow on our knees and bow before God and surrender to Him in humility and say, God, I surrender all. And I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care what nobody says. I got to get to the altar and I'm going to go no matter what people talk about me or not. But they might think I backslid. Who cares? Who cares what people think? Because when you stand before God, you stand alone. You can't say, well, our lack of obedience to God because of our lack of, because of the greatness of fear in our heart. We have to. The most valuable lesson in this, this whole thing right here is the miracles is great and stuff, but it's, this message is about humility. God has and always will honor humility. If you got pride in your life and you won't go to somebody and share with them, pray with them in public, whatever, do, minister to them, I love to talk to my waitresses about God. I tell them all the time, hey, I just prayed for you in our prayer. And you'd be, you'd be amazed. I've even had some break out in tears. We got to be bold and we got to speak that out and not be afraid. Because you know what? If you got pride in your life, God, the, the, the door of your miracle will slam shut with a loud thud. He will bar the door, Katie. He will not allow that to happen if you've got pride in your life. Proverbs 18 and 12, pride first, then a crash. But humility um, is a precursor to honor. And then my last point, go ahead and bother Jesus. They said don't, there's no use in bothering the, the teacher. God wants to help you. Your miracle won't happen, you, you think. You know what? It's not going to happen. I'm not worried about it. You know, my miracle's not going to happen. My prayer request is denied. I know it's over. Things have done, gone bad. My miracle, it's just, I know things are done. There's no need to go into God about it anymore. No, He wants you to go to Him. He, he, is never not, he is never bothered by you. No matter what it is, how late in the game it is, He wants you to come to Him and ask Him. No matter what it is, no matter if, if, if you uh, um, have been to Him a thousand times before, God does not, you know, we look at people where they're needy, right? 
God never looks at you as needy. God never looks at you as lo- He never says, Holy Spirit, how many times have Pastor Doug will come to me today? He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He says, he's coming again. He's coming again. I get to bless him all over again. I get to prove myself all over again. I'm excited he's coming. I don't care how many. Whenever I was a youth pastor, kids would get saved every single week. Every single week they would come down and want to get saved because they sinned that they didn't understand grace. You know, but I was like, but, but you know what? I, one of my leaders said, well, you need to tell them that they don't need to come down every week. I said, no. I want them to always know they can come to Christ and repent. Keep coming. I don't care how many times you come, keep coming. God's not bothering. It's funny, two nights ago, me and Gina was watching a Christmas Hallmark movie. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't have my, my Hallmark socks that y'all got me for Pastor's Appreciation Day, but I, I have been wearing them. They're very comfortable. Um, but we were watching this Hallmark movie, and um, I got a message on Facebook from this young man um, that was, uh, he, he said, he just found, I don't know, he found our name on Facebook from Kingdom Impact Wilmington. And he said, Pastor, I need some help. Can you help me, please? And I was like, what's happening? It come out that he, that he had an addiction problem. And he was dealing with addiction. And we were talking and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, hey, I don't have a pastor. Can you be my pastor? And I'm like, said, buddy, sure. Absolutely. And it's funny. Now, it's funny that this happened on Thursday night. You know, and then after that, I was studying a little bit. But the thing is, 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 is that uh, while I was messaging with him, in the middle of me messaging with him, praying and, and texting the scriptures and trying to help this young man, a girl called, texted me and said, I'm having problems with my mom and dad. I need help. I'm having some situations in my family, and I just need help, and I just want prayer. And I was like, I love this. You know, and the, two reasons. One is because I love that, 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 that people don't worry about bothering me because, like I said, people, I don't want to bother you, Pastor Doug. It's, I'm not Jesus, but it's my calling. I love it. If I can't help you, I'll say, hey, I'll get back with you as soon as possible. Okay? I, I'll get back with you as soon as I can. I can't right now. I'm spending time on family or whatever I'm doing. You know, but, but, as much, but, but this kind of situation, I was like, this is wonderful. And it was so cool that as I was talking to one, another one came up and interrupted. Just like this story. I just thought it was so cool. I just thought that was a neat situation. And I was able to pray with her about her and her family. And then I got back with him about his family. You know, it's just really cool. Never don't worry about bothering God and never worry about worrying about Pastor Doug. If I can, like I said, I'll get back to you if I can't get to you right away or I'm busy or an appointment <coughs> with someone. But I want to be here for you. And if I want to be here for you that bad, how much more does the great I am want to be there for you? We got to get over our pride and be humble and come before God and say, you know, I'm going to bow before you, God. And that's what Jairus did. He did not care what anybody thought about him and his position that he had. Your Heavenly Father wants him. And if you have kids like me, my children, you know, they're all the time talking. I'm watching, I'm, I'm watching television or I'm, I'm on Facebook or I'm doing a TikTok or something. And they need, they, they, I, want them, I want them to do whatever it takes to get my attention if they really need me. If they need me and they're like, hey, Dad, 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 I want them to, I want them to hey, hey, Dad, knock me in the head if they really need me. Right? Because I want to help them. I, you know, in that, when I in that wreck, I was talking to Dad on the phone, and, and, the, and the, the impact was so hard, it, it threw the phone out of my hand and to the floor. And I was on the phone with Dad, and, and Dad, I could hear Dad still talking on the other end. And I just started screaming, Daddy, 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 I hit somebody, help me. And, and, and um, then I picked it up, and he said, Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? And I said, I'm, by, I'm near to college, because <laughs> I couldn't even think straight. 
and then I grabbed it and it cut off. And so he's freaking out. He's like, it's so haunting to me to hear your child just screaming out for help like that and then not knowing really where you're at. But when you cry out to God, he knows right where you're at. He don't have to call somebody to find out where you're at. He knows your need. He knows where you are. Sometimes God allows things to totally die in your life just so he can resurrect them so he can get the glory so you don't think you did it yourself. I remember Pastor Williford a long time ago, back, I don't know, 20-something years ago, he preached a message, and uh, it was called The Death of a Miracle. And he talked about that, about how that, that, that sometimes God allows miracles, to, things in our lives to die so he can resurrect it. And he talked about all different places in the Bible where that happened. Jesus gives, gives you a power, powerful promise. Don't be afraid to, to ask and trust for it. I'm done. I got some more stuff there. <laughs> when God says stop, I, I mean, I'm not just going to keep going just to try to, I, I like to try to finish my message, but when God said you're done, you're done. I was like, okay, just, okay, I got more God, but you're done, so I'm going to stop. But I don't know what you're going through today. Maybe you have something that you thought that was dead, and you thought the miracle was dead. And today that you can resurrect that and drop your humility and come back and ask God for it. Maybe you're desperate for something in your life. Maybe you're desperate, maybe you're desperate for God. You know what? We, we all need to be desperate for God. I, don't, I really don't ever want to have a moment in my life that I'm not desperate for God. I want to always have that unction, that, that desire, that passion, that drive to get as close to God as I can. I want that. I desire that. I want more of that. The less I have of that, the less I'm in church, the less I read, the less I pray, the more the devil messes with me, the less I fail, and the more I fail. But when I stay close to God, I say, Daddy, and he's there. I don't want to have to say, Daddy, and then start trying to repent for all my situations in my life to really feel like I'm at, I'm, I'm at the place where I can talk with God anymore. The truth is, sometimes we allow all these things to get in our life between us and God, and you can't even really see them because you're blocked by all the other stuff in your life that you put in between you and Him. And when you come to Him, you kind of got to weed through the stuff to finally get to Him. I want to be so close that I say, Daddy, and look up, and He's there. I want to be in the holies of holies. I want to dwell in the temple. I want to walk in the Spirit and not the flesh. I want to be able to be in the presence of God and walk in that. I'm not talking about being holier than thou and Hyundai Shonda all the time. I'm just talking about I want to be there with God to the place that I'm walking. And when I need him, he's there. When I cry out, he's there. When I'm desperate, he's there. And when someone else needs something, that he's there to flow through me and to help them and to bless them and to, and for, to use me for his glory and his honor. But that will only happen once we have true humility. True humility. Humility. Hallelujah. Woo, I just felt a jolt of the Holy Ghost. So I'm here to tell you, quit being embarrassed of God. Because he's not embarrassed of you. I feel like at times we're embarrassed of God. If you can't speak about God in public without kind of talking to your, 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 your waitress or talking to a neighbor or talking about wherever and, and talking about God and even praying with him, telling him you're a Christian, telling him who you, then you're embarrassed, then man, you got, you got pride in your life. We should not have that spirit of pride in us. We should be able to talk about Christ openly and freely to whoever. 
I love it. Anytime I'm around a place and I hear a bunch of fussing and cussing, I say, well, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I said, when they just fussing and cussing, I thought, I thought I'd just throw a little praise up. I mean, they're free to do it. Why can't I? I'll raise a hallelujah in a heartbeat. A little ruckus. I want you to know that you can come to God at any time. And I want you to know online, come to God. You're at home right now. You're not here, so you can't run to the altar. But you can, you can fall on your knees where you're at and be desperate for God right there because Christ is in your home just like he's in this room. I prefer this room because I feel like I feel it a little bit more. I can't wait to get to come back to be with us to feel this. The Holy Spirit's in this room ministering to you, blessing you, speaking to you. So let's do what God's called us to do today. Let's be humble. Let's go after God. And let's stay desperate. And when you feel like you're not so desperate, you kind of need Him sometimes, you kind of don't, let's get back on our knees and pray for that. Stay close to God today. Is there anybody here today that might would say, Pastor Doug, I, I'm desperate. I, I, need, I need a touch from God. and I, I, I just need a touch from God, and I need it now. I'm desperate for God.